1: another weekend is officially here holy cow it just flies right on by we are two weeks away from labor day we are just about two months away from election day and i know you are geared up ready to go and by the way it's fall time ish late summer fall time which means maybe if we could maintain the 70 80 degrees over the next like three months i would be so happy probably not going to happen but a guy can dream right Welcome into Kansas Talk. It is Saturday morning. It is time to get you up and moving for the day, get you pumped up, talk about some of the latest issues across the state of Kansas right here on Kansas's Wichita's number one conservative talk radio show. Appreciate you hanging out with us today on Kansas Talk. I'm Andy Hoosier, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we'd love to hear from you today. Big show lined up. Derek Schmidt, Kansas Attorney General and candidate for governor coming up next hour. We'll chat with him on some attorney general issues, legal issues in the state. Also, Uh, The campaign trail is now we're gearing up for the general election. We're going to be talking to him quite a bit along with all of the Republican candidates, both locally and statewide, because we need to do this big push and it's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll get to all that. All of it presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. They are opening up here in about 20 minutes until 2.30 this afternoon. You can also find them online at philscoins.com. But... A voice we haven't heard on the radio in a while. It's time to do it again. I haven't forgotten the sounder. <laughs> haven't forgotten it. It's the man himself, Wichita City Councilmember, Mr. Brian Fry. Brian, what's going on, sir? Hey, it's going great. Thank you for having me back. Always oh, good. I, I always think every week I'm like, i got to get Brian back on. You've been on the back of my list. You've been on the radar. But with election season, it's been crazy. And yep. I said, now it's perfect time to get him back in because you guys are working on a lot in the city right now. Absolutely. Uh, this is highlight of our budget season right now. We're yes. getting ready to wrap that up.
2: Um, redistricting is going on right now. So there's just a lot of activity, yeah. Um, but I know you've been busy as heck, too. Holy cow. Uh, congratulations on the success with the, the stations
1: here, and Thank always you. good to hear. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess we can announce a little bit of it. The official numbers came out, so I guess it's not necessarily uh, private any longer, but uh, Kansas Association of Broadcasters came out with some, uh, they do their annual awards, yep. and All of the Steckline communication stations, uh, all of us did very well this year for uh, KQAM, KGSO, and uh, for Sports Play by Play for this program. We'll get to some of those numbers a little bit later. I I have to laugh and brag a little bit, I guess, but I won first place doing agriculture reports. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome. That's I was awesome. not prepared for that one. That's I cool. I, I I have to admit, I'm not. I I grew up ish on a farm, but yep. uh, not the most um intelligent on egg reports. But hey, uh, we appreciate. Uh, yeah. We appreciate. Hey, it. so that's we're great. bringing home the
2: hardware is always great. Uh, my old TV days, the KABs were always fun to compete in, and yeah, we always enjoyed bringing home an armful of trophies. So there it it's is. always great for staff morale, and it and again, it shows that you're doing good work. Yeah, and wow. you're putting in the time. And it, and it pays
1: off, so it, congrats. It does. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So we'll read those numbers. Uh, John Wright in the morning show during the week, he won some great stuff along with some production work, sports play-by-play over on KGSO. So all around, we did very well with we'll Steckline cool. Communications, and uh, we'll do some of that here. So, uh, so I can but say I'm part of an award-winning team. You are part of an yeah, award-winning awesome. <laughs> team. We won an award for this program for Candace Talks. So that's fantastic. That's, yeah, that's great. So, yes, you are part of the award-winning stand-up <laughs> team here. Buckeye News Award. <laughs> what, is that what it that's was? Right, that's right. It's the, we we know, KRP? KRP? Yeah, yeah, well... <laughs> You know, news broadcasting, they didn't like me for that one too much. I think they saw, <laughs> thought I was a little too opinionated for that stuff. <laughs> there we go. So the city overall, how are we doing? I mean, we're, we've, we haven't talked really throughout most of the summertime here. Obviously, we have a lot of festivities going on. Oh, yeah. Uh, baseball has been going on all yep. summer long we have uh, it's, uh we did have Riverfest this year which yep. was exciting so things almost getting back to normal it's been hot but yeah. i think it's been kind of exciting yeah you know
2: people are very excited to get back out and enjoy life again after the shutdown yeah and and again you mentioned several things river festival um wind surge games uh wsu basketball baseball so forth right um, people are getting out and living lives again certainly uh inflation has put a little bit of a Uh, stop on some of that travel but it's also allowed people to stay home and enjoy the attractions and the recreation that we have here sure Um, our parks are bursting Um, you see record numbers at botanica and the zoo and they've had some great success with some of the attractions that they've added so it's allowed people to um you know get reacquainted with their hometown amenities Yes, and that has been great because we've seen people in our parks and in our um, attractions and been very busy. And that also pulls from the region. You know, we're getting people from Salina and Dodge city and, you know, other parts of the state coming to Wichita, which again, helps our restaurants and our retail and our hotels. And so um, we're really seeing um, good, good, um, traction that way. Our revenues are up, our sales tax revenues are up, and that's been great much more than what we budgeted for. So that's helped our budget overall.
1: Good, good. So it's almost
2: getting back to normal there as well then. Yeah, of course our expenses are up, right. you know, between fuel and, and employee cost, You know, everyone's struggling with the same issue, finding people. And it's no exception across the city. Um, <clears throat> all of our departments are short staffed right now. Sure, We're down about 50 officers in our police department, which is an issue. Um, we're short firefighters. We're short bus drivers. Mm-hmm. Um staff all across the city so we're all feeling those effects and that's increasing our cost because we're having to pay more so sure. even though our sales tax revenue might be up our cost of doing business is up but nice thing is we just had a quarterly report we're still balanced we're still on track good. to finish the year with the balanced budget so that, that's positive
1: news. yep that is positive yeah absolutely and like you mentioned we are in the middle of the conversation although you guys have had. At least one, I think another one coming up here for public uh, public input on the city budget, correct? I mean, So we started the city budget process back in July,
2: mm-hmm. and we've had several public meetings, including an evening meeting for people that can't get off during the day. Sure. Um, <clears throat> Tuesday will be our last public hearing, and we should adopt the budget on that date. It could always be a wrinkle, but yeah. um, we are uh, on track because so we have to approve it by a certain date according to state statute. Okay. So right now, the plan is to have our final hearing on Tuesday, hopefully, a a budget approval. And this would be for the 23 operating budget and the 10 year
1: CIP capital improvement plan. Okay. Very good. Now, uh, what has been the conversation so far? Uh, from the public input, has it been really the size of the budget? Has it been the increase in salaries? Has it been trying to find new, uh, hire new individuals? I mean, what's been kind of the conversation? So most of our budget is made up of staff
2: and salaries. Um, fifty-three percent of our budget is police and fire, mm-hmm. and seventy-three percent of our budget is police, fire, and public works, and almost entirely wow. that is salaries. Sure, we are currently. Um, we just last year a new contract three-year contract with our police union we currently um, just finished negotiating and it's not approved yet but um, with our teamsters which is our bus drivers and we're currently negotiating with the fire union on a new contract okay so that has been the bulk of the discussion um, Continue to address firefighter pay and making sure that we're competitive with cities in our region right that are comparable to us think of Tulsa, Kansas City, Kansas, Omaha, et cetera. Sure.
1: Well, not just cities, but just the private sector as well. I mean, with, uh, with different jobs. I mean, minimum right. wage rates or just, you know, the, the uh, benefits. I mean, you want to be competitive just with Absolutely. the private business around here, too. Absolutely. Uh, that has been the
2: bulk of the, the discussion is making sure we can afford to pay our, our people and be competitive, sure. uh, again, with the private sector. Um, <clears throat> the other issue has been, obviously, along those same lines, public safety, And that's facilities. Making sure we have modern uh, police stations, fire stations. Making sure they're they're located in the right places. The response times are less, and making sure we're making that capital investment in the facilities and the equipment that they need to do their jobs well. Sure. Um, Always uh, roads. (laughs) Roads is the number one thing. Seems to be the stickler there. Yeah. That is the number one thing I hear about (laughs) as a as a council person is the condition of roads. Interesting. when I first started on the city council, we were investing uh, a little over $4 million a year in road maintenance. This budget will have $12.5 million. So wow. in seven years, we went from $4 million a year to 12 and a half. That's still not enough. Um, we have to continue to look at ways to uh, be more efficient. with. We have 5,200 lane miles in this city. So 5,200 lane miles, $12.5 million, sure. doesn't go far enough. Sure. And then we also have... Um, issues with some parts of the city have dirt roads, and there's mm-hmm. been a push to um, maybe address that. Now, we're not going to be able to pave all of the dirt roads at once, sure. but how can we start doing it in a way that is uh, reasonable and also still addresses the maintenance of the existing roads? Sure. So that has been a lot of the discussion this year. Um, but, it, you know, it's it's a big budget. It's an operating budget of $265 million, I think. Sure. Just
1: about. Um, well, now usually for the traffic, seventy-six million. So for the highways, you you talked about before. This has been a while when you've talked about this, but kind of moving to different districts and spending the money on different uh, on highways and roads. And in uh, transportation in different areas, and kind of having a rotation is after you do something, you had a good few years to work on other districts, and then by that time it comes back, and it's just kind of a cyclical thing. Is that still kind of the even with an increased budget on on highways and roads? Is that still kind of the format that you guys are using? Well, what we've always done has been an equitable split. So we've tried to separate the budget into
2: there's six districts, mm-hmm. and we have what we call our OP3, which is our, our preservation program for our roads, and we try to split it so that it. Each district is getting about a sixth of that budget. Okay. Now, some districts have more asphalt roads, and other districts have more concrete roads. Mm. Concrete roads are a lot more expensive sure. uh, to replace. And so that one-sixth of the budget for that district doesn't go as far as a district that has asphalt roads. Sure. But we've tried to make sure that the budget is split equitably in terms of dollars. Uh, gotcha. Because there's really not another way to do it. Yeah.
1: So yeah, it's tough. That is a tough one, um, and I'm sure that, uh, like you mentioned, I mean, I don't know how many dirt roads are left in the city of Wichita. But about 100 miles, really. Yeah, out of the 5,200 lane miles, we have about 100 miles that are too bad.
2: Dirt roads. Yeah, and and again, the way the city funds residential roads is on your uh, specials sure. that you pay, and after so many years, you don't have those specials after it's paid off. And that's traditionally how it's been done. And so, how do we address those areas that don't have um, dirt ro- that have dirt roads? Normally, uh, that neighborhood petitions to pave it, and then they get charged an assessment. Sure. And <clears throat> how do we do that for those disadvantaged neighborhoods? Um, maybe this needs to be addressed with this policy. Um, those dirt roads around schools. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we need to be addressed that. And that's kind of what this. Budget's going to do. It's got thirty million dollars in to address about forty lane miles. Sure, and that's over ten years. It's not in one year. It's okay, going to have to take some time. You can't do that. <laughs> not going to get it once. all done at once. Yeah, no. Yeah. So over ten years, there's thirty-one million
1: dollars to address dirt roads around schools and disadvantaged neighborhoods. Sure. Now, this money that's going into it, the increase that we've seen over the last few years, is it just the revenue that we're bringing in here as part of this some of the COVID money that came in from the federal government?
2: No, this is all um, generated by tax revenue. Okay. Not federal government. We did one-time cash infusion when we sold the Hyatt Hotel. We put $10 million of that revenue into roads. Gotcha. But the rest of this is via property tax, sales tax, Etc. just bringing it in yeah it's, gotcha. um the money that we're getting from the feds and the arpa we are using for uh police st- or fire stations police stations libraries some of that infrastructure sure gotcha
1: very good very good let's take a break here real quick we're talking with brian fry which is a city council member if you have a question want to talk about anything we'd love to hear from you if you want to have an input on the city budget you can 316-721-8255 316-721 talk a few things we want to talk about Want to talk about the redistricting? Want to talk about the look for a new police chief as well and see where that process is. Get an update from the water plant as well. So there's a lot of things to get to. We'll do all that right here on Candace Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 K We have a lot to get to today on the program. Stay right here. Happy Saturday morning. 25 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday morning. Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM 316721 8255. 316721 Talk. We're hanging out with the man himself, Wichita City Councilman Brian Fry. It's been way too. When was the last time we had you on here? I want to say it was like springtime. Nope, hold on. Help so I turn on your mic too. Yeah. That sounds about right. It it feels like it's been about four or five months. Yeah. Actually, I think it was right before Riverfest, I want to say. It was right before. Yeah, that'd be about May. Yeah. Yeah. Good golly. Well, obviously, (laughs) there's been a lot of stuff going on then. We're talking about some of the city budget you guys are discussing right now. Uh, Obviously, which I was not aware of, the 70 to 75% of the city budget going towards payroll um between police fire and public works it's
3: wow. about
2: 73 74 percent just yeah. in those three departments That's now wild. those are very large departments sure and um, they're kind pol- of important yeah, absolutely <laughs> um police departments uh you know between officers and administration a little about 700 and firefighters are about 450 yeah so and and we're short right now in both departments. So if you know anybody that would like to be a police officer or a firefighter, we,
1: we have go. openings. <laughs> we have openings. I was going to ask you about that. How is the hunt going for, we'll talk about the police chief in just a little bit here, but just overall employees. I know that we have been down. I know the county's been down with their county yep. sheriff's department oh, as yeah, well. Oh, yeah, And so They've been hurting, but how is the look and is it getting better? And I think with the budget, with you guys increasing rates, I think a little bit for salaries, maybe that's going to help or hourly rates? I hope so. Definitely.
2: Um, I think you're also seeing this in the private industry too. You're starting to see people come back to work. Um, All of the government checks have stopped and um, people having to get back to work because of inflation too. Um, I mean, it's more expensive now. And so people's pocketbooks are hurting. So they're having to go back to work and you're seeing people do that and it's, not only in the public sector, but also in the private sector. So that's good to hear that people are back to work. Because we wondered where they all went. Right. Right. They just all disappeared, and it's like, what happened? Those six million jobs <laughs> that Joe Biden created. So, <laughs> uh, so it is good to start seeing that, and, and you know, we need them quick, desperately. Sure. Um, because the safety of our community is very important, that and is so true. Um, that's why we're addressing payroll needs. And again, um, we need to. We just. I mentioned earlier, we just did the FOP contract last year, but because of changes in the economy and and Biden inflation and so forth, we need to look at our pay, our pay ranges for police. And sure. so we need to do a wage analysis to find out, are we competitive so that when we get to our next contract negotiation, which will be in two years with FOP, are we going to be budgeting the right number? Right. And so we can get ahead of it. And so we need to do that study so that we can continue to stay competitive. Sure. So
1: that is good news. Uh, I I know that not just the city, not just the county, but even the private sector. I mean, the bars, the nightclubs, the restaurants, some of those entry level positions, they're still hurting. I Mm -hmm. mean, jobs are coming back, but those are the ones that I've heard at least that are still kind of struggling across the city. Have you heard the same thing? Yes. I mean, service industry is always going to be a challenge. And especially in a growing city,
2: Uh, we continue to have new investment and new companies uh, come to Wichita we're seeing not only in the service industry and in the retail and restaurant but also in manufacturing. Yeah. Uh, you know Spirit is still hiring Boeing there's a there was a big aerospace uh, job fair this just this last week. And so they're all needing to hire people as well. And so that's a sign of a great uh, community um, mm-hmm. when you've got all this demand and new companies coming in investing in the city, but we need to continue to find the people and that means we need to make sure that our quality of life stays at a very high level. And that goes back to police and fire safety. It's about the quality of our parks and our recreation
1: things. Yeah. Um, so we need to continue to push that as much as we can. That would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, we got to take a hard break here for the bottom of the hour. But I want to continue that because you guys have, like you mentioned, had a lot of new industry coming in. The diversification of industry around here has yep. been kind of interesting. A lot of tech stuff. Yes. A lot of distribution plants and yes. stuff here. Well, so, so a lot of stuff just outside of the typical aviation right. that we've been kind of known for in this area. So we'll do that when we come back. It's Brian Fry, which Wichita City Council Member. Uh, we'll talk about that. Plus, uh, we need to get some type of um, Sea World or some type of something here. <laughs> an aquarium. An aquarium. Well, you, well, you of know, the, some zoo, the zoo's master plan has one in it. Oh, does it? Yes. I didn't but know they had an aquarium. They're ex- well, that's, that's their plan, but they're very oh, expensive man. to operate yeah well yeah i knew that but one of these is i've been missing to see an aquarium i haven't been to one in years and i told the wife I said where's i think the closest one's like oklahoma city tulsa maybe? has one tulsa yeah. yeah work in progress yep we'll do that when we come back it's kansas talk right here on wichita's big talker kqm stay here
0: with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM.
1: Yes, it is. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday morning, hanging out with Brian Fry, Wichita City Council member. we got a lot to talk about before we kind of shift gears a little bit here. Oh by the way 31672 and 8255 31672 and talk we have a caller on the line we'll get to you in just a second as we kind of wrap up this conversation we are just teasing about some of the new industry yeah. coming into the area which I'm excited about because we're diversifying it's not just the aviation anymore right. while that's a big part of it still and we love that. It's not all of it. We're seeing a lot of different types of industries want to come here.
2: Right. Wichita has always been known as the air capital of the world in the the manufacturing of airplanes and airplane parts. And that's still going to be our stronghold. We're still going to excel at that. We're still the best in the world at doing that. We're also now seeing um, aerospace, not just aircraft, but you're seeing investment um, from companies that are building private sector rockets. Mm. Uh, the Blue Origins, the uh, the Jeff Bezos company, the Elon Musk companies, their companies are having parts made here in Wichita now. SpaceX. Yeah, right, exactly. So yeah. you're seeing some of that because we're really good at aircraft manufacturing. It makes sense that aerospace, we should be able to do that as well. Sure. Niar's having incredible success with that. Senator Moran has been extremely helpful with us making those inroads. Uh, in fact, he just had the head of NASA here in town yesterday, or Thursday. Yeah. Um, to look at some of the things that are happening, uh, toured a company out in Augusta that is making parts for aerospace. So that's a great offshoot of what we've always done well. But there are other sectors that we do extremely well that we need to continue. We've always done great with healthcare, ag, oil and gas. But the areas that are really starting to take hold are cybersecurity and IT. That is an amazing opportunity for our city, not only because of the education system we have that's providing the students for those jobs at WSU, at Fringe University, but also McConnell Air Force Base in the Intelligence Wing. Mm-hmm. The men and women out there are perfect for this job. That's what they're doing on our national security level. That translates very well in the private sector with IT and cybersecurity. We just had a company move here last year from California called Nova Coast that just recently announced they're doubling down and adding sure. another 60 employees for their world headquarters here in Wichita, Kansas. And we're seeing continued interest from that. Another sector that we're doing great with is transportation and logistics. Being able to, in the center of the country, yep. it's a great place to have large-scale warehousing and distribution because from here in Wichita, Kansas, you can get to either coast in less than two days, Sure, which is fantastic and saves you time and money on shipping. So it's a great place to be that hub. We've got a lot of open land, um, easy access, uh, right in the center of the country, and so we're seeing great growth. With that we uh, created an incentive program a couple of years ago for spec warehousing, and being able to, because we had none, we right. had no large-scale warehouses, and we're I think we just approved our eighth one just uh, two weeks ago. Sure, and there's more on the horizon, and they're filling up, and it's just not warehousing. We're actually seeing some manufacturing going to these facilities too and not traditional airplane parts. It's other things. And so um, we're seeing some really good success. Greater Wichita partnership has done an amazing job of seeking out those opportunities of those things that we do really well. And then finding those employers
1: to move here or expand here sure it is great it's great to hear that we are expanding in that sense because that's not only bringing the business which is bringing a lot of money into the community and seeing us growing but it's also bringing new people into the area as well absolutely and that's what we need to have that's the lifeline, the lifeline for this city is continue to retain our people but also attract new ones are now that's the big okay. question are we seeing retainment i've seen national surveys of Kansas is one of those with a lot of people that leave the state every year. Is that coming from the Wichita area? are Are we retaining, or how are we doing that? Our growth
2: has been slow. Mm -hmm. Um, We're in the middle of redistricting right now, and looking at our growth rate from the last 10-year cycle, it wasn't strong, Um, less than 3% or roughly 3%. You want it to be higher because most of that growth has been because of more births than deaths. Sure that's not the way you want to grow. (laughs) That's hard to do. So, um, you need to continue to have people coming in. Now that's an issue across the entire state. It's just not Wichita. Um, and so some of the growth that we're getting, I believe is coming from our Western Kansas, um, communities coming to Wichita. And so we need to continue to find how to get some folks from maybe California, yeah, maybe uh, just don't bring their politics, right? Just don't <laughs> right. bring their politics. Right. Well, I think that's the reason why they are coming here is because they don't like those politics there anymore. They don't like that high taxation there, right? Right. And so you're seeing some of that frustration from the Washingtons and the Oregon's and the um, California's yeah. coming here. Uh, the the middle Rust Belt states too. So um, again, very attractive place to live. It's uh, very affordable,
1: and so we just need to continue to make sure that we are being that jewel. yeah, that. Amen to that. I love it. 316-721-8255. Let's go to the phones if you have a question for Brian Fry. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick, how are you, sir?
4: Well, I'm going to ask Brian Fry maybe a hard question, maybe, but uh, <laughs> why? No, and I I am being sincere because I'm sincerely concerned. Why does the city of Wichita, why is the city of Wichita allowing Parts of downtown Wichita to be turned into a little San Francisco, where you have tent city out on the sidewalks, and people have to step over sleeping people to get into some of the businesses. And I'm talking about uh, north of uh, north of Douglas and around the Broadway Market and all that area in between that and uh, and Central Street, because uh, that part is looking horrible. And if you go down uh, Broadway Street, uh, et cetera like that, you see people lying all around on the on the ground and you see them urinating and apparently they built something really super nice uh, for the black people downtown, but apparently people are going there and using the bathroom in that area. Oh my and why does why why does the city of Wichita not clean that up or is it basically just this Brandon Whipple wants to uh, uh, turn Wichita into um, a little San Francisco.
3: And I'm saying that very
4: sincerely. I'm not throwing stones. It's just that this has been my uh, home for 77 years, and I don't like to see it going downhill like that. Thank you very much, sir.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. No, absolutely, Frederick, and appreciate your comments. And it's a concern of everyone on the city council and the county commission um, and all of our partners in our social services and nonprofits it's, it's, in a, it's a situation that continues to worsen. We saw an increase during COVID, obviously, um, and it hasn't let up. Certainly, the Biden inflation has also made it more challenging. Um, at some, There are people that don't want to be homeless, and we have services, and we try to get them established with um, temporary housing. We've made investments with that. But there's also a certain element that will always want to be homeless, and you can't change their minds Mm. Um, now what we're working on with our partners at the county there's a homeless and substance abuse coalition and we're looking at facilities where's the best place to put expanded facilities in partnership with nonprofit organizations from Salvation Army to Humankind to United Methodist Open Door Lord's Diner is in that area and so you have a cluster of services but that also creates challenges because then there's no place for them to go and so where those facilities end up being, where are those solutions? We're still working with the state on a, a mental health hospital. That is a critical need. Um, we've identified at least um, temporary need of at least 50 beds for that. There is no services along those lines right now. We need that. We've got some funding from the state, but it's going to have to be a continued partnership between the city, the county, our state partners, and all the nonprofits. It's a slow process. We can't fix it overnight. There's a money available that we have dedicated from ARPA towards this issue. And I know the county's invested in that as well. Then there's state government money coming from ARPA or what we call spark and base grants. So identifying those locations, what is the right fit? What are the right services? You want to continue to have that cluster of services that when people that are homeless need their driver's license and they need temporary housing, it's easy for them to go from one spot to the next no. and you do a handoff where you're helping them do those services and getting the need immediately. And so, um, long answer to say this is a number one priority. I believe of all of the local governments and figuring out the best way to spend our money. Yes. It's frustrating to drive by and see this. And we work with our, business partners that are in those areas to try to keep it as clean as possible but it's it's a long issue and it's a very tough difficult answer sure yeah,
1: good stuff, Frederick. That's a great question. I appreciate that very much. I want to get some other calls here before we take a break, but uh, that is something to be concerned about. The other issue that I think that goes along with that—that's been kind of a conversation for a while—is some of the uh, the food deserts in the city as well. Is that? Uh, I mean, have you guys talked about that at all lately? Oh, absolutely. In fact, we've also
2: identified some ARPA money to help with that as well. What we're calling a healthy corner store initiative. Sure. Um, to allow some of these areas of town that don't have um, facilities to keep and uh keep produce keep meats keep dairy cold and refrigerated we might be able to help assist with uh, refrigeration equipment coolers and so forth we've also created a farm and food council in partnership with the county and we're getting ready to make appointments to that to help identify other areas that we can continue to invest we've dedicated up to a million dollars to help support this sure um, with the food deserts so, uh Vice Mayor Becky Tuttle is. This is one of her big things, and she's helped educate me greatly on this issue. Um, my district doesn't have as much now. There are food deserts in all parts of the city, sure, uh, but it's more concentrated in other areas, and so that's what we're going to address first. I like
1: it. We got another caller here, although I think I heard. Let's see here. Good. Nope. Okay, they lost. They dropped. That's all right. Give us a call back at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TACOS. Take a break. When we come back here, we got one more segment here with Brian. Let's talk about the redistricting. Yeah. And uh, we'll kind of wrap up that way, talking about redistricting. And, well, we have a new police chief here relatively soon in the city of Wichita as well. I didn't even plan for this, but that— kind of worked out appropriately <laughs> there you are it's candace talk it's does big talker kqam one more segment wrapping up hour number one right here on kqam Show flies right on by. Hour number one just about wrapped here. Last few minutes with the man himself, Brian Fry, Wichita City Council. Every time you come on, we always like have a laundry <laughs> list of things to talk to, and we never get to all of them. That's all good, though. Yeah. I always appreciate the opportunity. Oh, it's always good. we got to get the information out there, and we appreciate your time very much. Uh, I We do have a f- like five minutes left here before we kind of wrap up, okay. so let's talk about redistricting. Yep. Um, obviously, the census kind of you know changing things up a little bit. They've been working on the redistricting for congressional seats. They've been working on them for legislative seats, yep. but that is affecting down here at the local level as well.
2: Yeah, every 10 years we have to go through this process after the census comes out out and make sure that each district is roughly the same size and that they're still compact and we're doing that right now um, we appointed a commission of electors each council member uh, appoint someone to review where we're at and making sure that they're all balanced right. in terms of size and that's really the only issue it has nothing to do with partisanship or demographics it is strictly each district has to be roughly the same size. Sure. And the way we're split up, we have six districts, and you split that up um, evenly. It's about 66,000 per district. Right now, we have a couple of districts that are beyond that. Mm. Um, district two, which is northeast, district five, which is mine, and northwest. Those have both grown over the last ten years, and you so get to cover more people now. Yeah. Well, and but what that means we're also a little out of whack, mm. and so the deviation between district five. And District 3, which has shrunk in terms of population, we need to rebalance that. And so that means District 3 needs to have some more people put into it. So you move a couple of precincts from another district into that district. Sure. And you typically do that from the district that's growing. Okay. So it's really a simple math issue because it nothing else should weigh into the discussion. Right. It has nothing to do with... What you want to do, though, is you want to keep precincts together. You can't split up a precinct. Sure. And you want to keep areas of mutual interest together as much as possible. So like a neighborhood that is heavily Latino, you might want to keep them together because they have a common interest. Neighborhood associations, HOAs, you you don't want to split them up. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing these precincts, you don't want to split up a community like that uh, for the sake of it. So... It should be a relatively simple process. I know the commission last week el- eliminated 14 maps. They went from 21 to seven. Oh, wow. Okay. And they meet every week. So um, hopefully by this Wednesday, they'll eliminate a few more. We're bound by state statute that there has to be a recommend. The council has to approve the redistricting by the end of the year. Sure. So the committee is going to hopefully make a recommendation soon On Which map to go with that will go out to all the district advisory boards for their input and then it comes back to the council for final approval. And so uh, that timeline has to be done fairly quick. We're nearing
1: believe it or not the end of the year fairly soon. Yeah. It so, is amazing how quick the redistricting happens. I mean, when they were work on the congressional ones, even waiting for the litigation when people try to stop it legally, I mean, the fact that that process happened very quickly in order to be able to file for candidacy and run right. for office, I mean, that was kind of impressive. Yeah, and again, this is something we have to do every 10 years,
2: and you have to account for growth, uh, And again, so that you don't want to put the deviation too high on one district that's already growing because then it's going to be out of whack right. really quick.
1: And so um, that's really what it is. Interesting. we got just about a minute and a half left here, but let's shift gears. Let's talk about the process of looking for a police chief. Yeah, absolutely. I know that that's
2: been kind of an ongoing issue. Right. So we have Interim Chief Lim Moore, who's doing a great job. Um, he's had some tough issues, but he's been doing fantastic. We do have an, uh, a, a recruitment piece out on the street right now. We hired a search firm. Uh, we've advertised what we want in a new police chief. So that is going out across the country. We're doing a nationwide search. Hopefully, we're going to get some great candidates, external, internal. I don't know. We'll see what we end up with. Uh, then the plan is to reduce those numbers to a semifinalist candidates. Um, hopefully, by September, October, with community interviews, November would be hopeful okay. to have somebody in place. Getting close. Yeah, we're getting very close. Um, so, um, but we were doing a very deep dive. We also just hired. We're hopefully hiring a firm uh, that's on our council agenda for Tuesday to go through our policies and procedures in the police department to look at everything that we're doing so that that recommendation can
1: fall in line with the hiring of a new chief. Interesting. How has the process been so far? Has it been a smooth process? Have you gotten a lot of interest from individuals around? I mean, are you looking just nationwide? Are you looking trying locally? I mean, what's been? Absolutely. Nationwide search. Uh, The firm that we hired has done extensive
2: police search, police chief searches across the country. Um, and like I said, they put together this candidate profile of what we're looking for. They did extensive interviews across the city, met with a lot of different individuals, groups, electeds, et cetera, saying, what do you want in a new chief? Right. That's what they were able to build the candidate profile on. So um, we hope that um, we're going to get some great candidates. I don't know. It's, not, it's only been on the street for about two or three weeks. So okay. I don't know how many we've gotten at this point, but um, hopefully we get quite a few. I'll apply. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I'll work on that one. There you go. My uh, expertise in law enforcement. So I am, very quick, I am starting my second go-around of the Citizens Police Academy on Tuesday. Very cool. Um, I did this back in the 90s when it was an eight-week course. Okay. Now it's a 13-week course. Oh, my. Every Tuesday night for the next 13 weeks, Mm. um, going through every department, and I figured that was a good timing with the new chief coming on board to know exactly all the different pieces. All the stuff. Do you get to do the obstacle course as well, like law enforcement Well, training? I don't know. I don't think you want to see any video of that.
1: <laughs> I was like, we need to we need to witness this, or we need to do this. That would be fun. <laughs> it was That's... hard enough going through a uh, poli- uh,
2: fire academy. Mm. Police academy might be quite as tough. That would be a tough one.
1: I love it. Well, good. The process is happening. We'll get another update from you again here soon, but it's getting closer. We're yeah. a couple months away from possibly seeing a new police chief. Absolutely. Lots of stuff going on in the city. We didn't get to everything we wanted to, but uh, it's always a pleasure. That just means we got to get you back on again Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll do it. Brian Fry, Wichita City Council member. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you, Andy. Hey, always good. We'll take a break. Wrap up hour number one, hour number two right around the corner. When we come back, it's open lines to you. I want to talk about some of the stuff we just covered here. Get your thoughts on it. Plus, what's going on election-wise? Monkeypox vaccines coming into the state of Kansas. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a minute. Plus, Derek Schmidt at the bottom of next hour as well, wrapping up the program. All of it right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay right here. It is our number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday morning, getting you up and moving for the day, ready to go for another weekend. It's going to be a nice, cool one. Now, when I say cool, I mean cooler than the triple digits that we've been seeing. So I will take it as we are on the downward trend. Hopefully it stays that way as well. Going into the end of summer. Hey, welcome in. Thanks again to Brian Fry, the man himself, Wichita City Councilman. We appreciate him very much for all the time he gives us uh, doing an hour. It has been way too long since we've had him on, and there's been a lot of city things going on, so it was appropriate to get him on the program. We'll do the same with Jim Howell and the Sedgwick County Commission here soon as well. Which, when we do that, it'll be kind of an election coverage. Pete Meitzner and Jim Howell, both up for re election this uh, November, so we'll talk about those candidates. Also, we've had Ryan Beatty on the program. We'll get him on soon again as he's challenging Lacey Cruz, the left-wing progressive on our county commission, and uh, we need to make sure to show up to vote on that election because that could be as Donald Trump says, huge and bigly, it's going to be the biggest election you've ever seen in your entire life. Welcome in <laughs> three, three one six seven two one eight two five five three one six seven two one. Talk if you want to join in. Bottom of the hour in a little bit, we'll play our interview with Derek Schmidt, Kansas Attorney General and candidate for governor. As that is a big race as well, we need to focus a lot of time on that one. So we will do so. I I was laughing the liner that played right before the intro started. Uh, Alex Jones, which you can hear on Sunday evenings live with his program. You can also hear him overnight, uh, seven nights a week with his radio show as well. We got a write-up. I don't know if anybody noticed, uh, KQAM got a write-up in the Wichita Eagle for airing Alex Jones after the litigation that he went through, having to pay $40 million to the family uh, from saying that the, what was it, the one of the shootings, one of the school shootings was staged and wasn't real, which if you listen to his program in any way, shape, or form, like he corrected that. A month after it happened. So he's been saying that that wasn't the case, and he retracted that way long ago. It wasn't just like a recent thing, like the headlines from the mainstream media that love to demonize Alex Jones, which, again, you can like him, you can dislike him. I have my faults with him, but uh, I've interviewed him. He's a nice guy off the air, and I enjoy his program on our station uh, for overnights. It is is perfect overnight programming, and I hope individuals enjoy it as well. We've gotten calls to uh, asking for him, which is why we ended up doing that one. But the Wichita Eagle... Wrote a nice little report on Alex Jones on why he's even still on the air and why he even has any airtime at all in any radio or TV market across the nation because he needs to be censored, silenced, and shut down. So I am here to reiterate that as the operations manager for Techland Communications and KQM Radio that no, Alex Jones is not going anywhere. Yes, we have received your hate messages and phone calls and messages on social media and emails as well. I have gotten emails. No, we are not getting rid of Alex Jones. You can still hear Alex Jones overnights from midnight to 4 a.m., seven nights a week. Also, his program live on Sunday evenings as well. So it's not going anywhere. We believe in free speech. You can have an opinion. And he's entertaining radio, whether you like him or dislike him, whether you agree or disagree with him Uh, my personal opinion of his politics is irrelevant I think that he has an entertaining program period end of story and he's still a semi-popular talk show host across the nation as well that's all I have to say about that but it was kind of fun to get that extra publicity from the Wichita Eagle so thank you Dion and we appreciate that uh, for individuals that want to hear his program to be able to do so on the radio waves we got a lot to talk about today We have uh, monkeypox vaccines coming to the state of Kansas. We have the Derby School District, which we did not get a chance to talk about last week. We have some election updates as well and a heck of a lot more uh, that's going on. Plus, a recount on the abortion amendment. Not quite sure why we're doing that. We lost pretty handily. We lost, what was it, like 68 to 23 or something like that? It was a blowout, unfortunately. I mean, that's not the way we wanted it to turn out, but that's the way that it did turn out, and we're spending a lot of money to do a recount using a lot of resources that I think could be better utilized for the general election to make sure that we win with Republicans across the board and stop Governor Laura Kelly and stop the Democrats from winning certain seats. We need an attorney general that's Republican. We need a governor that's Republican. We need a secretary of state that's Republican. We need to maintain our supermajority of the legislature that's Republican. That right now is the number one priority. As much as the abortion issue stunk that it didn't go through, why are we spending hundred over $100,000 on a recount for this one when it was that bad of a blow? Now, if it was in with like a five-point margin, three, five points, six points, okay, sure. I mean, it makes sense. But to spend it when it was that big of a blowout, I just, I cringe because it could be used so much more productively and... I don't know why quite we're doing that. Three one six 7, 20, Let's get your thoughts on all this and more. There's a lot of stuff on the table, and we'll cover as much of it as we possibly can here on the show. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Mr. Andy. Mr. Sean, how are you? Good, sir.
5: Well, before I get, well, I'm doing okay, I guess. But before I get to what I want to talk about, I have a question for you. Yes. Do you have the knock list.
1: The knock list?
5: Yes. The knock list.
1: What is the knock list?
5: It's a list of every undercover intel agent we have in this country. Mm. I can swear I knock list to you. <laughs> you, you know don't.
1: what? You, you send that over to me and we will uh, not announce them on the radio. I mean, if, uh, uh, but I'm sure someone has those. You know that they do. And I'm sure that they're probably raiding Donald Trump's uh, Mar a Lago home right now. What do you think?
5: Well, you can expect to be rated two, and so can I, because I lost the knock list.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I've been prepared for it for a while. Between uh, the content that we put out on the radio plus some of the stuff we're doing with our side projects at home, I can imagine that we'll get a knock at the door at some way, in some time.
5: Yeah. Well, listen, um, boy, I really wanted to talk to that uh, city councilman about something. I, But I'm, next time you have him on, I'm going to ask this question.
1: Okay. You can ask it. I'm sure he's still listening right now.
5: Well, I'm wondering, I found it a little irritating. I don't know how much it's cost the taxpayer for the city to go in, take up the old asphalt surface from McLean on McLean from uh, central all the way to 13th street, you know, and put down two or three new inches of asphalt, but yet you got maple from Seneca all the way to Mayberry Junior High, especially from Meridian to Mayberry, that desperately needs to be broke up and replaced, mm-hmm. including new curbing. And you get around Maple and uh, uh, Edwards Street, where there's a light, that area gets any worse, people are going to be breaking axles on their cars. And this play uh, that, that section of Maple needs to be replaced for a long time. And I don't know why... They're doing, you know, McLean didn't need to be tore up like that. There wasn't nothing wrong with McLean. Wasn't even nowhere near close to uh, needing to be broke up or tore up and, and, you know, new asphalt laid down. You know, as far as I'm concerned, that's kind of a waste of money when you got other streets that are more in dire need of a, uh, of a, uh, a new surface. You know, not just patch jobs. I'm talking about a brand new surface, new curbing. You know, maybe some drainage so we don't have all the flooding. I don't know. I don't even know what they're doing.
1: Well, I know. Yeah, that's a good question. Next time he comes in, we'll ask him about how they set priorities for some of their road projects. I know, like he mentioned, that each district of the city, each district and city council person that kind of operates certain districts, they prioritize based on how much money they get into their district to be able to work on some of the the road projects. Uh, And like you said, still upgrading some of the dirt roads into asphalt and pavement, and then the concrete areas that are extremely expensive trying to either maintain them or transfer them to asphalt. So that is a good question on how they prioritize because because uh you're right there are some pretty sketchy roads and i know that it's been on the radar it's just when they get to them and what projects are before them and how they set the priority list
5: i hate having to drive down maple to get to west street in order to you know get to some place over there that uh that i want to go but uh anyway yeah i can understand the uh uh i can understand the prioritizing you know the different parts of the city with different council members only getting so much money i can understand that well who you really need to have on maybe is the mayor of the city manager you know i suppose since the city manager i guess controls the funds or whatever sure they got somebody up there a head honcho to talk to about this you know and maybe get some money to uh, uh those districts of the city you know where you know the streets are in badly needed repair and besides High, in, in my opinion high traffic streets they should be made out of concrete which lasts a, i know it's more expensive but it lasts a hell of a lot longer than asphalt you know you can take your less traveled streets like say second street which uh needs to be replaced uh you know you can uh <clears throat> you can take up the old asphalt and put down a new layer that's fine because uh that's not a high traffic street like. Uh, Maple is, and then some of your more busier streets. Mm. So, you know. I- Boy, it makes me really wish I was in charge.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. You know what? You can run for city manager. You know, you're right. We should get the city manager on. We have yet to have them on the program. I will say that the mayor, however, will not come on this program. I will just throw that out there right now. He will not come on the program. Uh, But luckily, there will be a transition in uh, mayoral powers here in the next year, in next year's election. And then hopefully we'll be able to get someone in here, which I really think we're going to get someone who is very friendly to the program that will be on on a semi-consistent basis is talking as the mayor representing the city of Wichita.
5: Okay, one more thing. Yes. Uh, Once in a while, you've got a couple of Joes on your show that, I don't know, they own a liquor store or a brewery or something?
1: Uh, Davis Uh, Liquor. Davis Davis Liquor Outlet. Uh, Brian and Blake Davis.
5: I'm over here at the lake over at Twin Lakes. I like to come over here in the morning and just have my coffee and devotion and gaze upon the... uh, waters and I'm, I'm getting ready to head over there anyway very good to, uh, stock up on some uh, uh adult beverages but the uh, next time you got those guys on you ask them if there's any beer out there that's made with uh bioengineered uh ingredients because you know i love genetically modified food
1: <laughs> <laughs> bioengineered hops is that's what you're looking for you're looking for some fake barley huh
5: well, I don't want beer that's high in hops because it gives me headaches. I learned mm. some more than oh, about thirty years ago that uh That's the hangover that, prevention,
1: huh? Not go for the hops.
5: Yeah, Budweiser, you know, I drank six bottles of Bud and I got next thing you know, I got a migraine, but you know, somebody I I used to go out the old sports bar out at McCollum when I was in the Air Reserve. I'd go hang out over there and drink beer, and you know somebody, uh, the, or the bartender out there that I knew said, "Hey, why don't you try MGD? It's lower in hops, and you won't get a headache." So I switched from Budweiser to. There you go. MGD. uh, Well, I will say
1: that I was actually it's funny you mention them because Davis Liquor Outlet I just was texting them a little bit ago we're looking at trying to get them on next weekend going into Labor Day the following week so uh, we'll talk about some of the drinks to look for for Labor Day festivities and Labor Day weekend so I'm glad you brought it up that's a perfect teaser and I'm glad you're thinking about uh, a lot of the partners here with KQAM and the show so Sean I appreciate it my friend have a great weekend I want to get some other phone calls here as we move through but uh good stuff and i will definitely mention it to brian fry the next time about prioritizing on some of the road projects let's go back to it line at number two good morning who's this
5: hey this is dan from pachyderm
1: dan how are you my friend
5: i'm doing well uh i have some sad news um we lost one of our uh democrat representatives today one of the better ones gail finney passed away this morning
1: Mm, you know i'm glad you mentioned that i just heard about that a couple of minutes ago myself as well yes gail finney representative from the wichita area here now she did not seek re-election so she wasn't going to be up in topeka this next session but uh she just passed away yesterday no i
4: heard this morning
5: Uh, this
1: morning oh this morning so it just recently happened wow well our thoughts and prayers go out to her and her family how sad
5: she was a past adversary. I ran against her a couple times, and uh, she was always a gracious lady. And uh, mm. and I've worked with her several times on the different projects, and she always appreciated my ideas. And sure, yeah, and, and I'm gonna miss her.
1: Yeah, no, I, I thank you very much for bringing that up because I, 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 you're right. I just found out about that a couple minutes ago myself. And uh, how sad. Now I had heard. I don't know. I, I I don't think we've ever had her on the program. I didn't get a chance to speak with her at all. But I had heard that she had had some medical issues prior. I'm not sure. Okay.
4: Um, n- we never spoke about that. We've spoken several times in the past couple months, but uh, never got that to that point.
1: Sure. Okay. Well, thank you for bringing that up. And yeah, got the, uh, thoughts and prayers to her and her family and everybody involved. And uh, yeah, how sad we lost a great uh, a great Wichita today. All right. Thank you, Randy. Hey, am into that. Appreciate it very much, my friend. That's uh, yeah, very sad, and uh, uh, it is it is a travesty there. Thoughts and prayers go out to Gail Finney's family and everybody involved there, and uh, thoughts and prayers to everyone. Let's take a break here real quick. 21 minutes past the hour. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the issues uh, going on here in the state as we get closer to election season. Plus, we'll play our interview with Derek Schmidt here right around the corner as well. But thank you very much, Dan, for bringing that up and letting us know what's going on. Let's get to open lines to you for a few minutes here as we get to the bottom of the hour right around the corner here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. Five minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQM. Thanks for hanging out with us today. By the way, and thanks again again uh for Dan calling in, mentioning Gail Finney. You know what I absolutely love about us on the Republican side of the aisle? This really shouldn't be partisan, but unfortunately it is, at least on the national level, is that we're so civil. You know, we're so civil that when uh, we can spar, we can debate, we can run for elections, we can run against each other. But yet, at the end of the day, we're all humans, we're all individuals, and we can actually show condolences to the other side of the aisle. As Gail Finney obviously was a Democrat, and uh, I know that his had some semi-heated discussions with Republicans in the past. But yet, you know what? Still a wonderful individual, great Wichita and we are going to miss her, and uh, God bless her and all her family. It's not what the media likes to run with because they love that division, so I'm sure that someone's going to you know, run a report somewhere saying how Republicans are praising the fact that a Democrat's gone, and that's not going to be the case in any way, shape, or form, and they can't because we are the party and the humans of civility, and God bless that, and I appreciate that. Uh, on the
0: election front, let's get into election time. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022.
1: Elections 2022. So it was a hard-fought battle, but we have to give a shout-out and congratulations, I guess, officially to State Representative Stephen Johnson uh, for the state treasurer position. As you know, in the election that happened just a couple weeks ago, that was one of the harder-fought elections. It came down to just a few hundred votes on both sides. I believe Karen Tyson, the other Republican primary candidate, has uh, paid for a recount in certain districts. But uh, as of right now, Representative Stephen Johnson says that he has declared his victory in the GOP Treasury primary going into a general election. Again, just like the one with the abortion issue, with the paying for the recount and the revote, do we need to spend the resources and the money on that issue as opposed to just focusing on the general election? We are at the end of August. We have September and October. We have two months until election time. It should be all focuses on looking forward to what's happening in November to make sure we maintain Republican majorities across the board in the legislature, our Republican governor, our treasurer, our secretary of state, our attorney general. All of these need, need to stay Republican. And I get wanting to be in office, but especially with the abortion issue, I don't get paying the $100,000, $120,000, whatever it was, to try and do a recount on that one. The bill's dead. It's gone. And while we can try and do it in a different way, while I think we should do it in a different way, while we should try and do it all over, all over again, it's extremely important to focus on and to make happen and to do better with our uh, talking points, to do better with our get-out-the-vote push, to do better with trying to counter what the Democrats do. We need to focus on that, but to spend the money for a recount when you lose by 40 points, points—that's uh, to me, that's absurd. That's insane. Why would you spend the money on that? Karen Tyson, the same way, paying for the uh, recount on that one. It's closer. Okay, I get it. At the same time, can't we focus on the endorsement, stepping down, the condolences, the union, the uniting of the Republican Party, and then being able to move forward into the general election. We have to win these, and if we're too worried about bickering amongst ourselves, like Republicans do oh so well, trying to tear apart the Republican Party, then are we going to be doing ourselves more harm than good going into the general election? Because we're not running campaign ads against Democrats at that point. We're running campaign ads about how the Republicans are the one that we nominated is bad, and that we're challenging it because it's not locked in, it's not sure, and it's not definite. And I'm a little concerned for that. I don't want that to happen. Let's make sure that doesn't happen. Let's unite as the Republicans. I'm excited about this election, but Republicans are the own worst enemy. We will win unless we divide ourselves amongst the Republican Party. That's always the case. We always see that, unfortunately. Democrats, they're not going to beat us. They're not even the second ranked most uh, 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 registered party in the state. It's the unaffiliated that even beat Democrats. That tells you something of how few Democrats are in this state. Why is it so damn hard to get something done with Republican and conservative agendas? Got to take a break right around the corner. We'll play our interview with Derek Schmidt, attorney general right now and candidate for governor, right here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker, KQAM.
0: You're listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM.
1: Welcome back into it on the home stretch here. Last half hour flies right on by. Welcome back into the show. Thanks for hanging out with us today. So much more we want to talk about. So much more to get to. But we do the best we can on a two-hour program every single morning on a Saturday, getting you up for the weekend. We are two weeks away from Labor Day. Can you believe it? Holy cow. Let's shift gears a little bit. Get into our election coverage.
0: It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022.
1: Elections 2022. We sat down just a couple days ago with our current Attorney General, talking about some legal issues. Also, uh, talking about the campaign for the run uh, for governor, Mister Derek Schmidt. And this is what he had to say right here on Candace Talk. Derek, how are you, my friend? Andy, I'm doing great. Good to be back with you. Always a pleasure to chat with you. A lot of things going on. Let's talk about some of the legal issues right now. For some reason, Governor, we're back into the fall school semester now. We're getting things back in action here in the state and across the nation, which means we're having more discussions again about COVID-19 mask mandates or vaccine mandates and what to do with children again and monkeypox in the state. Where are we? Because I know we're still battling some of these legal issues on the mask mandates across the state.
3: Well, we're not going back. That's the bottom line. You know, one of the things that's gotten lost because the the national press has stopped covering it, but we we fought all of those federal mandates. Remember that from back in the middle of the pandemic, we fought against the uh, federal contractor mandate, the OSHA mandate, the CMS mandate, the other Biden administration mandates, Head Start. Those are all still ongoing legal battles. That's what's dropped out of the headlines. The Biden administration is still fighting tooth and nail to try to reimpose some of those mandates. The latest is the airline mandate that we have blocked by a federal court order and they would like to to bring back. So we are still holding the line on all of that, and uh, we are fighting hard. The bottom line is we are not going back.
1: It is unfortunate we're still having to battle these things, but why are we? I mean, I uh, looking at some of the science now, and even the FDA and the CDC and the USDA is all coming out and admitting that unless you have these N95 masks, these specific ones, the regular masks didn't really do a whole lot in preventing COVID-19 and the spread of COVID-19, and now they've changed their policies to really say that even if you get if you contract COVID-19 or if you test positive, you don't need to quarantine, or at least you don't need to quarantine for a longer stint of time like we usually did. They've kind of relaxed everything and said, just get back. to normal, but yet we're still battling this mask
3: mandate issue. Well, that's true, and and particularly the federal mandates that had no business ever being around in the first place. I mean, all, all of them were challenging, but the worst were the ones that were ordered from Washington, as if the federal government had that authority, and so Uh, You know, the the Biden administration just has a very different view of uh, its power than most Americans have, and I believe that the Constitution has. And so uh, we are fighting to hold that line, and I am very optimistic we're going to be able to.
1: That would be really nice. Now, some of the other issues going on here in the state of Kansas outside of the federal issues, because there's a lot of federal issues we could get into right now. But I want to talk about some of the things down home here, especially one on autopsy services. You've uh, really commented on this issue uh, of uh, an entity, uh, one of these corporations doing uh, doing business in this autopsy issue. Talk about this because I don't think people know the story that's going on here.
3: Well, this is a specific case that we have prosecuted at the Attorney General's office and enforcement action we brought. We've been working on it for years. It was a lengthy and complex investigation to get to this point. But the bottom line is there was a fellow uh, out of the Kansas City area who uh, ran a, a group of companies that, generally speaking, provided autopsy services and some related pathology uh, services, forensic science services. The problem is uh, nobody involved was actually qualified to do any of it, mm. any of it. And, uh, you know, there were it was terrible for the victims because you had people who had lost loved ones. You had these folks performing autopsy services. They were being paid to provide them. Then it turned out that their reports were functionally worthless because they weren't uh, qualified experts, despite having led people to believe that they were in fact qualified to do this work. So we wound up bringing uh, a couple of cases against these folks. One was a consumer protection case that we just resolved. They are now permanently shut down and prohibited from operating in the state of Kansas and have been ordered to refund a whole lot of money to individuals who have paid for their, their worthless services. We also have, separate from that, a criminal case pending that uh, involves essentially a theft case. It involves them taking money from some public entities to provide services that weren't uh, weren't worth the paper that the reports were written on. And then the federal government also has brought federal charges and uh, obtained a conviction, criminal conviction. That sentence will be coming up here, I think, in about a month. So, you know, it's a terrible example of a, of a fraud case that um, uh, we were able to finally rectify. Obviously, we wish it had never happened in the first place. That's true with every criminal action or fraud action. But uh, we've been able to bring a modicum of justice at the back
1: end. Sure. It is a little concerning that they're doing things they're not supposed to be doing practicing stuff they're not supposed to especially when it comes to an autopsy like that I mean that's that's a little disturbing to me
3: more than a little bit you know <laughs> one of the very difficult aspects of this case uh, as we uh, brought the enforcement action uh, we got possession of many, many hundreds and hundreds of biological samples that this person had collected from uh, autopsies over the course of the, the years they provided these. And obviously they had no business keeping those samples themselves. So we're in the process of trying to identify Uh, next of kin or loved ones and uh, figure out what they want to do case by case by case. So some very difficult dynamic to this one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, On the other issue that you've been recently working on as well has been almost political bias when it comes to investments and investment firms here in the state of Kansas. Uh, for those that want to invest their money, but to making sure that that money is being used in an appropriate way by um, not investing in a political agenda from the actual firm. To me, again, that raises a red flag on where my money is going and if we are putting money in certain places, uh, that it's going to be used appropriately.
3: Absolutely right, Andy. You know, there's something called ESG. It's starting to get a little bit of buzz out there as people realize what what this is all about, uh, environmental, social governance. It's the idea that uh, private entities, corporations ought to be for, or other corporate entities, other private entities ought to be forced uh, to make decisions not just upon the finances, dollars and cents but upon a political agenda, a social agenda, an environmental agenda. And, you know, it's one thing if you're a family-owned private business and you want to set up your own priorities for how you operate. That's terrific. Nothing wrong with that. It's quite another thing when either a federal agency starts to order corporations to elevate these political judgments uh, above their their individual financial judgments or when you have uh, pressure groups that go to major, major corporations and get enough leverage over them that they start to force them uh, to adopt these practices. And so we've been really pushing back on that. At the end of the day, for example, companies that manage the state pension fund or manage other public funds, their principal and only objective ought to be to minimize financial risk and maximize financial return for the client, which in those cases are the taxpayers, um, not to advance some type of political agenda with with money that
1: they're entrusted with. Sure. Well, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. I don't understand. I mean, again, we can and we've talked about the energy issue here uh, quite a bit and the alternative energies. I mean, investing in that stuff is cool if there is a demand for it. and There is some sort of a demand for it. uh, But at the same time, is it efficient enough to actually run society? It's not quite there yet. Yet we're pushing it at the federal level. So it seems almost more like a political agenda as opposed to like, oh, hey, this is going to be a great investment for you if you sink your money into this.
3: Nothing wrong with advocacy, nothing wrong with believing in, in change or a different course of action. That's the American way on all kinds of subjects. But there is something wrong when uh, that sort of thing uh, becomes substituted for the fundamentals. And the fundamentals in the financial markets are focusing on return and risk, and, uh, and that's what we trust uh, financial managers to do. We don't trust them to take our money and and uh, you know work on their own or somebody else's political or social agenda.
1: Yeah. Uh, on the energy front as well, I know we've talked about it before, but I'm sure it's just kind of lingering out there. The in, the uh, investigation onto that extreme cold front from last year and the high utility bills that we saw and the $600 per cubic foot natural gas uh, that we saw. I mean, are we getting any further on that? Have we heard anything else on on those investigations on where we're at on why prices skyrocketed so high like that? And to make sure now that we're going into a year where they say that we could see another extreme cold front this winter, that we're not in the same situation again here in the state.
3: Yes, is the short answer. That investigation is very active. It's ongoing. As we talked about before, we've retained a specialized counsel, actually one of the largest firms in the country, uh, that's helping us sort of sort through the voluminous data and the very complicated uh, gas market that, Uh, we believe some players have used to sort of throw chaff in the air and and hide uh, the conduct that we think probably was unlawful. So that investigation remains very active. Uh, It is ongoing. Uh, It will almost certainly outlast my service as attorney general. It's a very complex investigation, but we are making uh, good headway, and I hope to have some progress on that uh, to report uh, at some point in the foreseeable future. I've told folks, uh, you know, I've told our team, your mission is to stay focused like a laser beam on your mission, which is to figure out what happened, what's provable, gather the evidence, and uh, and, and move us to wherever we need to be in terms of enforcement of the law. Uh, the politics or something else that will just have to you know, play out over the top of that. But nobody should get distracted by the political worries. The mission is to do what's right for Kansas consumers.
1: Yeah, that's what it's all about. We're talking with Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt, also candidate for governor here in the state. Let's shift gears to elections here for the last few minutes, and I appreciate your time as always. How's the campaign going now that we've gotten past the primaries in the state? We've got our candidates. We're moving forward. We're just a couple months away from the general election. How are we feeling going into the early part of the election here?
3: Yeah, things look great, Andy. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, we're we're sort of getting right around the post here at Labor Day and going to the final stretch of the election and the straight run, the sprint to November the 8th. Um, we are in a very strong position. I'm very honored to be the Republican nominee for governor of our state. I'm mindful of how much uh, trust and hope uh, Kansans have placed in me. We're going to, you know, carry that burden every single day. And uh, I believe we're going to win this race. Uh, things look very good. You know, it's. At the end of the day, uh, Kansas is a state that wants common-sense leadership with conservative values, and that's what we're offering up. That's what Kansans, I believe, are going to choose.
1: Yeah, amen to that. You just got to be careful because it seems like uh, current Governor Laura Kelly may just steal the platform if it seems like it's a popular idea because she seems to have done that over the last year so
3: far. Well, you know, certainly uh, the governor's tried to change her stripes in the last year. It's an election year, and so now she's for, you know, everything popular and taking credit for everything anybody's ever done that's good. But look, the bottom line is Kansans know better. They know that she was entrusted with four years in the governor's office. She squandered three of them, and then she spent the last one scrambling to try to spiff up her image. I just don't think folks are going to buy it. Kansans understand that if there were a second uh, administration, four more years of the Kelly administration, it would look a whole lot more like the first three years than it's going to look like, uh, you know, this political year, which she's tried to, to dust up her image.
1: Yeah, exactly. Talk about real quickly the state of the Republican Party here. Now that we have our candidates, we have Scott Schwab again for secretary of state. We have uh, Chris Kobach, who's running for your current seat with attorney general. Now we have, you know, these these great candidates all across the board, you running for governor, kind of heading that up. Is there union in the Republican Party right now? I hear a lot of different listeners asking all the time about, you know, running as that full-on ticket, having the, the Republican Party united as a front against the Democrats. Are you feeling that unity, and are you confident in the strength of the Republican Party in the state of Kansas moving forward for this year?
3: Yes. All of our nominees, uh, we're all working very well together. We all understand that uh, at the end of the day, the Republican Party has put forth, it's made its decisions, put forth its nominees for different offices. Uh, and we are going to offer Kansans a choice between the Republican Party, which can offer up common sense leadership with conservative values, or the Democrat Party, which is, you know, the Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer Party. Uh, people choose political parties for a reason. And folks like the governor, that can try to hide from that. They can pretend they're not Democrats. They can pretend that they're a different kind of Democrat nonsense. At the end of the day, this is a choice between uh, the type of leadership we can offer which is more conservative or the type of leadership that the other side is going to offer which looks a whole lot like the debacle on the potomac
1: i love it that's what we need and i think the republican national uh, committee on the national level needs to take that for an example as well because we're seeing a lot of division nationally right now within the republican party the latest one obviously being like liz cheney's election out of wyoming where they're still trying to uh sabotage i think the republican party in some sense but showing unity in the state i think it's going to be absolutely crucial and i'm so glad That We're on that front. It is Attorney General Derek Schmidt, candidate for governor as well. Derek, it's always good to talk to you, my friend, when you're in town, when you're doing your campaign. we got to get you in studio as well a little bit here, but we look forward to chatting with you again real soon.
3: Love it, Andy. Thanks so much. Good to be with you.
1: Boom. Just like that, in, out, done. Derek Schmidt, Kansas Attorney General, candidate for governor. We'll be talking with him as it gets closer again with the election season. Are you ready? November's right around the corner. We're just months away. The trifecta of the holidays starting off and... I guess the quadruples. I mean, Halloween's really the start of the first one. Labor Day, though, the end of summertime. Are you prepared? This year's moving by way too fast. Holy cow. Stop it. Stop it. Slow down. One more break when we come back right around the corner here on Campus Talk. Talking again with the AARP, with the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, uh, whatever, trying to get involved in the community, whatever you can do, check them out, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. And Mary's back in line with us this week. Mary, how are you today?
6: Well, I'm doing great, Andy. How about
1: you? We are doing great. Always good to talk with you. We talk a lot about the Fraud Watch Network and some of the scams that are going on, not just nationwide, but here specifically even in the state of Kansas. And while it is that time of year, we're back to school, we're planning for the fall, even, God forbid, we're talking about holidays already, Uh, it's time for gift cards and gift card scams with people taking advantage of what you may be trying to get. Talk about the latest.
6: Yeah, you know, everybody likes to receive gift cards. They're a fun thing to get for your birthday or an anniversary or something. But people have to be careful when they go buy them about the reason behind them buying them. <laughs> so um, gift cards are great, but um, we want people to be aware of some things. And the AARP Fraud Watch Network um, recently conducted a survey to learn about you know, people's experiences with gift card payment scams. And here's some of the things that that AARP found, that more than one-third of U.S. adults say that they or someone they know have been approached to pay for something, a service, a fee, to fix a problem, or to help a loved one in a bind using a gift card. Now, that's not the purpose of a gift card, not for a service, a fee, to fix a problem. A gift card should be a gift card. So that's one problem. The other thing we found is that of those who were targeted, Nearly one quarter followed through and purchased gift cards in response to the request, believing they were taking care of some financial situation. And that's the whole um, the, the point of gift card scams is that the scammer doesn't want to have money traced back. They don't want to look like they've stolen something from your bank account. Um, so they use gift cards as payment. So they, they will call you up. Say they're in a, uh, you know, you owe money to the IRS. Um, here's how you can pay it: go down to your local grocery store or convenience store and buy a gift card, and then come back and read that card number to to this person on the phone, and then your debt will be paid. But that's not not what gift cards are for. And so we just want to warn people that any time they're asked to pay for something with a gift card, it is a scam. Don't do it.
1: That is some great points. So You're right. The gift card is meant for the gift card to send forward, you know, to go out to dinner, go to a restaurant, go have some time and go have some fun, whatever it may be. But, uh, yeah, trying to pay for things, trying to pay for a bill, trying to send it to somebody, that should be an automatic red flag.
6: Exactly. And, and it, as you bring up red flags here, we have three red flags that you should be aware of. So someone tries to convince you that you owe some debt or other obligation and that the quickest way to address the situation is to purchase a gift card and share the number off the back. That's red flag number one. Number two, the situation you face has put you in a heightened emotional state. For example, they say that your, your grandson needs some money, and they need to get it to him quick, so um, you need to go purchase a gift card, and you feel pressured to act quickly. Anytime you're pressured that, oh, this has got to happen right now, that's a red flag. And then the third one is maybe you you, uh, go to the store to get the gift card and you approach the cashier and they warn you that you may be experiencing a scam. And, you know, we've tried to educate um, cashiers and, and big companies that this is happening. And so they're trying to warn people. So we're asking folks to trust that they are trying to help you when they tell you, Um, You know, if you're if you're in buying, you know, five thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, even a thousand dollars worth of gift cards, it's going to raise some suspicion as to what you're going to do with those. And so they may say, hey, you know, be careful. This hopefully isn't a scam. This hopefully isn't something to to pay a debt. It's it's actually a gift card that you're giving to someone that you want to give to, not that you you feel like you have to. So those are three red flags to watch out for.
1: Those are some great tips for some of those and some other ones. You can visit the AARP website as well. Mary, we got just about a minute left here, but talk about what else you're doing with the AARP with any of the other virtual webinars or different entertainment, live streams. What else are you guys working on?
6: Yeah, we have a lot of uh, workshops coming up if people are interested in if they're a caregiver and need some tips about how to, how to be a good caregiver and the resources that are available. They can check out our webinar on caregiving. We've also got one on Social Security and one on Medicare. So if you're new to those programs or you know somebody who is, is new to those and they need assistance in finding out more and what to do and how to enroll, um, we've got webinars on both of those things as well as some entertaining things. We've got concerts. Um, trivia night all kinds of things and and people can find out more about those by going to our website at www.aarp.org slash ks and then go to the event section and there's all kinds of things you can sign up for and and uh, participate in so we encourage folks to do that
1: absolutely go check it out aarp.org slash ks for the state of kansas also find them follow them on the social media as well mary we always appreciate it let's do it again next week
6: All right, it's been
1: fun. Thanks, Andy. We're all done. Can you believe it? Flies right on by. Holy cow, thanks again to the AARP and jumping on giving us some of those tips on scams and frauds to be aware of. We're back at it next Saturday here on Kansas Talk as we have a lot to get to. We'll get you set for Labor Day weekend. We'll also get the latest on the campaign trails from some of the candidates as well. Get ready. Get ready because starting probably in September, we are going to be candidates nonstop coming on this program talking about election season. So strap in, buckle up, and let's have some fun with it. Until then... The Weekend with Michael Brown right around the corner here on KQAM. Make sure to stay tuned in as well Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. for our national broadcast of The Voice And Until then, everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio.